I want to share an excerpt from an abstract titled Evidence-Based Decision-Making in Teacher Preparation, written by Kristen Crabtree Groff, and I quote, Cooperative learning, flexible grouping, and scaffolding, to name a few. Each of these strategies asks teachers to make instructional decisions based on the collection and analysis of data. In addition, classroom management practices, authentic assessment, and student growth measures necessitate clear evidence gathering. As teacher candidates progress through their programs, they should encounter evidence-based decision-making, multiple means of collecting evidence, analyzing the evidence, setting goals, and evaluating results throughout their coursework." End quote. Welcome to Episode 117 of the Teacher Rockstar Podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the new teacher are discussed. We share the latest educational research and best practices so that the new teacher can be better equipped for a successful classroom experience. I'm your host, Steve Hiles, and today we will be talking about evidence-based decision-making in the classroom with our expert guest, Dr. Matthew Courtney. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Would you like to supercharge your classroom management skills? Well, if you're a brand new teacher fresh out of college or have less than five years of classroom experience, the Teacher Rockstar Academy course is for you. Gain the confidence, the skills you'll need to make all the difference in the world for our boys and girls. Enroll now at tra.teacherclassroomresources.com. Before we dive into the nuts and bolts of today's topic, I'd like to share some things with you about our guest. Dr. Matthew Courtney specializes in using data and research to support schools and teachers as they work to improve teaching and learning. As an educator, researcher, and policymaker, he focuses his efforts on building capacity in teachers and leaders to perform deep analysis of learning. When educators are faced with persistent problems of practice, he shows them how to tap into the existing research literature to solve their problem and to apply research methodologies to rigorously test their solutions. Dr. Courtney is dedicated to helping the education profession fully self-actualize into an evidence-based profession that relies on deep thinking, collaboration, and a joint commitment towards advancing scientific knowledge of teaching and learning in the field. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. All right. I am so excited having you on the show to share your expertise with us today. Uh, so let me first start by saying, uh, Matthew, tell our listeners, if you would, about your journey within the education world. Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, I started my career out teaching elementary general music, um, kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, it was a job that I absolutely adored, uh, but I often found myself really frustrated by uh, what I like to call accidental acts of improvement uh, that I saw happening in our school um, and in my school system. I didn't feel like we were making really thoughtful and uh, directional changes. It sort of felt like we went with the wind. And so um, when my school was consolidated, I left the classroom, pursued a doctorate degree, and started on this journey of helping schools and uh, classroom teachers learn how to use evidence and data to drive their school improvement and take those accidental acts of improvement and make them intentional and thoughtful. Oh, that's outstanding. Now, I have to ask you this now. When, when an educator has a problem in their classroom, right, what, uh, what steps can they uh, take to use data or research to begin to resolve that problem? 
you know, when you're in your classroom and you're in those four walls, it can feel really isolating. Absolutely. And you can often feel like the problem that you're dealing with right now in front of you is, is brand new to you and it must be brand new to everyone. But the beauty of our field is that there are thousands of teachers all over the country and all over the globe who have probably had a similar experience to the one that you're facing. And chances are that a researcher or a teacher along the way has found a solution to that problem, documented that problem, and published it somewhere where you can learn from their experience. And so I think the best thing an educator can do when they're faced with a problem for the first time is really to turn to that existing research literature and try to see how have other people handled this problem in the past. Right, right. That's so very, very important here. Uh, can you speak to how are educators using this research to inform their decisions now? I mean, what does the research say about research in education? <laughs> yeah, there's a growing body of literature about research use within the field of education. And, you know, it kind of depends on the questions you ask and the lens with which you look. There's a really cool study from 2016 called Findings from a National Study on Research Use Among School and District Leaders. Um, and it asked that very question, how are our school and district leaders using research to um, inform their decisions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it found kind of a mixed bag of results um, that they these researchers have been able to grow on and expand on. Um, but they found that roughly 68% um, of these leaders frequently or all the time um, agreed with a point of view and used research to inform that point of view, um, or that uh, they use research to help sort of defend a point of view. Uh, but, you know, that's only a little over half. And so I think we still have a little ways to go in this area. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, um, why should teachers learn data analysis and research techniques uh, when there are you know, literally dozens of agencies and consultants out there and products to do it for them. I mean, do you think this is really a good waste of time? I know some some teachers may question this. Yeah, um, and that's a question that I hear a lot. And I think it is the best use of time. Um, there certainly are many agencies and organizations that exist to help facilitate that learning process for teachers. And those organizations do great work. They're really important. One that every new teacher should know about is called the What Works Clearinghouse from mm -hmm. the United States Department of Education. Um, it's a great place to go and kind of learn about the research in one shot. But the challenge is there are so many problems of practice in our classrooms that you're not always going to find those external partners who have already answered that question. And so you really do need the skills to be able to look at your own data, to be able to look at the kids right in front of you and solve your own problems. And so I always say that an evidence-informed educator is an empowered educator. And if we can really build up those skills, especially as a new teacher just coming into the classroom, uh -huh. if you can build those evidence-based problem-solving skills, you're going to have a much more successful career in the long run. Right. That that's yeah, really makes sense there. Um, now I, I have to ask you this: when when you walk into a classroom, okay, how can you tell if a teacher has used any evidence or data to inform their instruction? I mean, really, what are, what are the telltale signs? Yeah, in an evidence-based classroom, every single thing in that classroom is on purpose. 
Um, I'll give you a great example from my own time in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned I was a music teacher. And um, if you've ever taken a music class, music teachers are trained that everything that you always do is in pencil. Um, and you have to be able to change those notes and make those notes um, right in the fly of your music performance. Uh -huh. But I was really struggling as a new teacher with pencils in my classroom and the pencil sharpener. And so I was able to find research into how writing in pen um, could facilitate some different learning modalities for kiddos. And I switched all my kiddovers to ink pen. And that is like a music classroom no-no. But for me, it's changed my classroom management forever. And so if you walked into my classroom, and this happened to me, um, we had sort of, uh, we did like instructional rounds that other mm -hmm. music teachers would come visit your room. And they asked, why are you using ink pens in your music classroom? And because I had become evidence informed on that issue, I was able to tell them spot on, here's why I'm doing it. Here's what it's doing for me and my classroom. That's so you awesome. can always tell an evidence informed educator because they know why they're doing all the things they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very good. Now I have to ask you this. Do you think in today's colleges now, I mean, are we really preparing our new teachers when they hit the field about, you know, evidence-based learning? I mean, uh, just speak from your, you know, from your experience on this, because I know when I went through, Matthew, I, th there, you know, there was not a course that, that dealt with <laughs> evidence, but you know what I mean? There was yeah. evidence-based uh, uh, data analysis and such. I do think that our teacher preparation programs are moving in that direction, um, and teachers are starting to get more training earlier in their career. Um, but I don't think that we're all the way where we need to be yet. One of um, my biggest concerns about teacher preparation is that we are teaching these concepts in a very rigorous academic kind of way, the way that we teach people who are going to go be PhD, full-time researchers housed in other universities. Mm -hmm. Not to say that rigorous instruction is a problem, but the framework and the mindset around it, that's causing concern um, for me because I talk to many educators who just really believe that they don't have it in them. Um, to right. do research and use data um, within their the context of their classrooms. And so we need to embrace this continuous improvement methodology and this mindset that we're going to do this, we're going to collect the data, we're going to analyze it, we're going to make a change. And it doesn't have to be picture perfect. We're not right. going to publish our classroom research in an international academic journal. <laughs> we're using it to inform ourselves right now. So we right. do the best with what we have. Um, and that's the big change that I would like to see, really that mindset shift. Absolutely. Now, do you, do you anticipate that uh, coming down the pike anytime soon? Or, I mean, we're, you know, uh, what's your take on that? Well, institutes of higher education um, turn slowly. They're big ships with lots of history and tradition. Um, but we are starting to see more courses in data analysis being offered. Um, another technique, one that I'm a big fan of, is called action research. It's a continuous improvement methodology that mm -hmm. uses um, the scientific method and research techniques to test problems of practice. And so we're starting to see that shift. We're starting to get there. Um, and as we talk more and more on a national scale about sort of school improvement in general and this idea that every school can be better and we should always be pushing for a richer, more in-depth education for every kid. Um, I think we're starting to see that trickle into the conversation in teacher prep. Okay, great. Well, uh, now I have to ask you this because uh, looking over uh, your uh, bio information here, now you've also worked as a policymaker. 
And, That's correct. Yeah. And what advice would you give other policymakers seeking to use research to inform, you know, their decision? Yeah. So um, the best advice I could give other policymakers is to practice what you preach. Mm. And so if we are saying from a policy perch that educators and decision makers in the field need to be using evidence to make their decisions, mm. policymakers need to be doing the same and they need to be real transparent about that. Um, so putting out um, research briefs along with your policy position, or um, even just an annotated bibliography. These are the studies that we read before we made this decision. I think will take us a long way in, in really self-actualizing as that evidence-based profession. Oh, okay. Um, now, you've also advocated for teachers to adopt exploratory data analysis techniques in their practice. Uh, can you explain this a little bit? Yeah, exploratory data analysis is one of my all-time favorite techniques to teach teachers. Um, and it's a technique that I didn't learn until um, I was well into my doctoral studies. Um, really, this is the technique that data scientists at big organizations like Google and Amazon, the technique that they use to learn about your shopping patterns and your search history patterns so that they can continuously improve and refine their internal systems. EDA is an anomaly detection technique. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take our data, we're going to use simple spreadsheet skills, simple entry-level math, and we're going to find little anomalies, numbers that are higher or lower than we expect them to be. And then we're going to say, hmm, why is it like that? We apply our practitioner knowledge, we apply literature knowledge, and we can continuously improve. We can develop a, a plan for improvement around that anomaly. What I love about it is you can apply this set of techniques to any data set. So you don't have to spend an extra three hours every couple of months learning a new system for a new test or a new protocol or a new um, you know, inter computer-based intervention. If I can pull a spreadsheet out of it, I can use these techniques to find anomalies and take immediate action. That's, that's really fantastic there, you know? Um, well, let me ask you this, Matthew. What would be your one big takeaway uh, from today's discussion? I mean, what I, I'm looking from the standpoint of that brand new teacher, first day on the job, <laughs> and how just if you could just speak to what you hope they would get out or of this and, and what they can do. Yeah, if I could go back in time and talk to first year teacher Matthew before the first day of school, mm -hmm. the piece of advice I would give is build an intentional research reading habit. Make time every week, whether it's an hour a week, an hour a day, maybe it's a, a podcast that you're listening to like this one, make an intentional habit to access that research and start to read it. Research use takes time. It's like learning another language, really. Yeah, yeah. And so you have to really practice it all of the time. Um, one way that I help educators do that, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm at mbcourtneyedd. Um, I post two or three research articles every day. Um, so you can follow right. on Twitter if those are of interest to you, download and read those articles. Or another great option, um, do a quick Google search for open source journals and insert a keyword on math, on science, on music, whatever it is that you're teaching, and subscribe to those free open source journals. And as they publish new papers, they'll email them to you, build a habit of reading those all the time. Um, I think that's the best advice I could give a new well, teacher. That's, that's great. That's very, very valuable. Uh, Matthew, where can folks go to learn more about you? I mean, you have a website, uh, whatever you want to share. 
Yeah, the best way to connect with me is through my website at www.matthewbcourtney.com. Um, there's an awesome tab on my website called The Repository, and this is where I post tutorial videos. I have some free automatic analysis tools where you can upload a spreadsheet and it spits out a report in seconds, um, and some guides and downloadable resources um, that's always free forever um, and really there for new teachers and existing teachers alike to expand their skills. Um, you'll also find a blog on my website where I teach a lot of these uh, in that written form. Oh, that's fantastic there. So uh, oh, I hope, you know, lots of people take you up on that. Um, Matthew, I, I want to thank you very much for sharing your expertise with us today. And um, I look forward to having you back on a show again. Please have a great day and we'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Steve. You're very, very welcome. Well, we have come to the end of today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Rockstar podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles. We hope you garnered some golden nuggets regarding evidence-based decision-making in the classroom that you can use to guide your instruction. When you get a moment, visit my new and improved blog and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research, best practices, and unadvertised free bonuses. Go to blog.teacherclassroomresources.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us at the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. And if you'd like to support us, please feel free to share our podcast with others, post about it on social media, and leave a rating and review if you feel comfortable doing that. And that would be greatly appreciated as always. Thanks again. We'll see you same time, same place next week. And remember, my friend, you got this.